This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. The mass exodus of Victorian teams was completed earlier this week. We catch up with Irwin Racing's Mark Winterbottom to talk about returning back to the future for him. Deputy Race Director James Taylor talks to us about plans for next weekend's racing at Sydney Motorsport Park. Dal Rogers wraps up the return of F1. Richard Crowell also to join us. First, though, the news and all five Victorian teams and a total of 12 cars from the Supercars paddock crossed the border and made it into New South Wales before the midnight Tuesday border closure. Irwin Racing's Mark Winterbottom has told On The Grid it was a tough mission to complete with minimum notice. Um, Hendo, the team manager, rang and said, hey, have you, have you seen the news? And I went, you know, no idea. Um, he said, pack your bags and um, you've got to cross the border tomorrow, um, which, which is tonight. But, um, but then he rang back an hour later and said, hey, actually, it's tonight, which was yesterday. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty big scramble. You know, I had to try and pack your bags for, um, is it Sydney? Is it Darwin? Is it Townsville? Is it, how long are we packing for? So I kind of just scrambled, packed a bit of everything. Um, and then my car was in Melbourne, so one of the team members drove up with it. My in-laws went to my house in Melbourne and packed a bag for me to come up. So it's, um, it's a real scramble. And to be honest, waking up this morning, it was kind of like, where am I? What am I yeah. doing? Where's my wife? Where's my kids? It all happened so quick. The supercar champion saying his team is ready to race. Car prep, um, personnel and everything, we're ready to roll. So ideally, I'd love them to say, hey, you're on this weekend, you're on next weekend. Um, then you're going to Darwin and you're going back to back there. I'd like to do four races in four weekends or even I uh, saw the, the midnight, uh, the midweek night race or while we're here, let's race, let's do what we're here to do. Our full interview with Frosty shortly. Meanwhile, supercars have announced that racing next week will be on the Saturday night and two races on Sunday. And the supercars field will be joined by Super 2 and Super 3 on the weekend. Last weekend, a great result for Australian and New Zealand racing around the world. It started with Brisbane-born Kiwi Scott Dixon taking out the Indy Grand Prix at the Indy Road Course after finishing second there for the last three years. Dixon, happy to be back at Indianapolis. So good to be racing here back at uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We've had, you know, so many runner-up spots here on the road course. It was just nice to... We got lucky, man. The strategy, the, the team just nailed it. We got lucky with our caution. Uh, but as soon as we got the balance right, man, the, uh, the PNC bag number nine just checked out. So it was uh, a pretty easy day towards the end of the part. Meanwhile, wins to Oscar Pastore in race one and Liam Lawson in race two of the Formula 3 series, while a spectacular win to Jackson Evans in the first race of the Porsche Super Cup, all raced in Austria. Jordan Love finishing 12th. Valgeri Bottas held on for a lights-to-flag victory in the first race of the Formula 1 season, the victor having to endure pressure from teammate Lewis Hamilton and a few safety cars. Quite a few safety cars as well, and when you're in the lead, you know, when you're hitting third safety car of the race, you're like, come on, again. <laughs> you don't want that anymore. But um, I survived all of those. So, um, obviously, for me, best way to start the, the season as a, as a team, I think we're leading. Uh, of course, we could have got more points as, as a team, uh, but um, it's, it's what it is. Hamilton finished the race second, but copped a five-second penalty for hitting Red Bull driver Alex Albon. 
Hamilton just happy to move on to next weekend? Yeah, I, I don't really feel particularly anyway right now. I think it just the race is done and I just feel like moving forwards. Uh, of course, it's not been a great weekend for me and I think that uh, you know yesterday was entirely my, my fault. It was a bit odd for sure today in the preparation to all of a sudden get a penalty, but that's, it is what it is and um, that didn't destabilise me. It just encouraged me to just go out there and try and drive as best I could. Lando Norris scraped into his first ever F1 podium by the smallest of margins and couldn't be happier. Yeah, we have the most awkward, uh, awesome, uh, awkward podiums, but um, that doesn't matter. I'm, I'm just super happy, super stoked to be on the podium in the first place. Yes, it would be nice to share it with the fans and um, to be able to hug a few more people, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just so happy. I think we weren't expecting anything like this today. But uh, you never know what can happen in Formula 1. The F1 Circus back at the Red Bull Ring this weekend. That's the news. Let's get straight into the show. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, first up, joining us on the line from his luxurious abode in Western Sydney, I assume at the moment, Mark Winterbottom from Team 18 joins us. Erwin Racing, g'day Frosty. Uh, what's it like up there at the moment, buddy? You know what? I um, I moved out of Western Sydney 18 years ago and started my life in Melbourne and I've gone full circle and I'm five minutes from where I grew up, um, back in Western Sydney and um, yeah, this is home for the next foreseeable future. That's the that's the thing, you know, we are um, obviously had to beat the border closure. Um, tomorrow we're going to get COVID tested. So, um, and then once we get tested, we, we practically become a New South Welshman again and, um, and, and can kind of roam the city against once we get the, the negative results. So at the moment, this is home. Um, it's uh, not, where I, <laughs> not where I pictured I'd be this time of year, but um, we've got to do what we've got to do and uh, left the family behind, which is the, the hardest part. Um, and, you know, biggest credit goes to them, all the families of the partners that, that are allowed to continue to do our job. We, we get to come away, race, um, do what we do. But, you know, I've dumped a wife and three kids at home to, tr- to come and do this. Um, big effort on them. So I think they're the heroes behind all this sort of thing. We just get to do what we do and keep our sport alive. So take us through yesterday and that 24-hour period to where you are now. I presume you got a phone call around about lunchtime? Yeah, so lunchtime, um, you know, our day, we, we didn't go back home after Sydney Motorsport Park. We went up the river where we, we spent a lot of time and um, it was really peaceful. Renee and I had just done a Les Mills aerobic class of all things. Um, and we go up there, we don't watch the news because it's actually refreshing to get away from yeah. statistics and just negative news. So we go up there, don't turn the news on and, and whatever. So um, Hendo, the team manager, rang and said, hey, have you, have you seen the news? And I went, you know, no. no idea. Um, he said, pack your bags and um, you've got to cross the border tomorrow, um, which, which is tonight. But, um, but then he rang back an hour later and said, hey, actually, it's tonight, which was yesterday. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty big scramble. You know, I had to try and pack your bags for, um, is it Sydney? Is it Darwin? Is it Townsville? Is it how long are we packing for? So I kind of just scrambled, packed a bit of everything. Um, and then my car was in Melbourne, so one of the team members drove up with it. My in-laws went to my house in Melbourne and packed a bag for me to come up. So it's, um, it's a real scramble. And to be honest, waking up this morning, it was kind of like 
where am I? What am I yeah. doing? Where's my wife? Where's my kids? It all happened so quick. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a lot happened in not 24 hours, in 12 hours, a lot went on. Well, I don't know if you've caught the news in the last hour or so, but uh, the Premier, Daniel Andrews, has announced that the uh, Victorian or the Metropolitan Borders are now shut down for six weeks. So it looks like you guys are at least away from minimum of a six-week period at least. Yeah, and, you know, I, I don't, you know, we're away racing, but I'd love if you could get your, your wife and kids um, exempt to come up and spend a week with you, you know. Um, you see the other codes, that's where... It's hard. I'm watching the AFL and they're at Noosa at the moment with their wife and kids, yeah. um, you know, away doing the same thing. Uh, we didn't have enough time to prepare for that. Um, trying to get your wife and kids to come across with you across the border <clears throat> in 12 hours, it's, it's not doable. So, um, yeah, it, it's obviously a shamble in Melbourne at the moment. The Premier looks like he's up to his eyeballs in it and um, whether he's done a good job or not, mm. Tom, yeah, Tom will tell. Um, we've yeah. all got our opinions, but... Um, but it has to be locked down and, and just, I don't know, if we're trying to beat a statistic, then, um, then lock it down. Um, at the moment, the hospitals and all that sort of stuff are pretty bare. There's only two in hospital, I think, at the moment and stuff like that. So who knows, you know, if we're trying to fight it against a number, he's got a lot of work to do. Um, if we're trying to maintain it, then, you know, locking down is the right way to go. But um, the impact is huge. Uh, we escaped the state to continue on with our sport and our business. Um, you know, our families are back there. Um, friends have businesses there that are going to shut down again. It's, it's a mess. So um, we did what we had to do to keep our sport alive. But, uh, yeah, thoughts are with people in Melbourne. It's, it's pretty tough times ahead. And in regards to your team and, of course, the DeWalt team as well, how many of your guys actually got out the entire crew, got out of uh, Melbourne yesterday? Truck, everything yes. all packed up and gone? It did. Um, <clears throat> our car was on a hoist with no wheels. No uprights. It was it was a part getting ready to to be prepped for next weekend. So um, the guys scrambled to do that and and mega effort um, to then go home, tell their wife, "Hey, I've got to go. I don't know how long for." Um, and uh, the partners are amazing. They're they're the you know our workers. We know how good they are because yeah. we see them by results on track. But the partners at home, um, they were packing bags for their husbands boyfriends, partners, whatever, um, to say, hey, you know, I'm helping you out to, to, to let you go. Like, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, other teams, I know a good friend at Tickford, he's 40 on Thursday. He's having his 40th birthday that his wife had plans for his wife and kids in Melbourne. He's going to spend his 40th up here in isolation. It's just all those little stories, you know, and that's – the guys will work their backside off. They'll do miracles. They'll get cars on track when not possible. they get cars and trucks when not possible. Yeah. Um, but it's leaving the partners and leaving, you know, things behind. One of our guys turning 21 next weekend, he'll do it in isolation with no family. So it's all those moments. They're the tough parts that um, we haven't really dealt with yet. But, um, yep. but they'll always do anything. Getting the cars and the trucks, getting them ready. Um, they're an amazing bunch of crew we've got that, um, that do the job. Yeah, they certainly are, Frosty. You, you, you did set right there. How many teams... And I presume yours being one of them from Melbourne, do you think will be disadvantaged by this move? Is it get, is there enough time between now and racing next weekend for the guys to sort of pick up from where they had left off? Yeah, honestly, we'd like to race this weekend. We're here. Um, cars are ready. We don't want to sit around for 12 days waiting for an event. So we'd love to race this weekend. We're, um, we're not disadvantaged from a, 
from a preparation point of view or anything like that. Um, it's just the, the emotional draining impact on the, on the people. That's it. Um, you know, 12 days time, they're going to be missing family, getting sick of eating hotel food. Yeah. Um, looking at these walls around you. Um, it, that's where you start to get your mental state down a bit. But in terms of car prep, um, personnel and everything, we're ready to roll. So ideally I'd love them to say, Hey, you're on this weekend, you're on next weekend. Um, then you're going to Darwin and you're going back to back there. I'd like to do four races in four weekends or even uh, sort of the, the midnight, uh, the midweek night race or while we're here, let's race, let's do what we're here to do. Um, smash out a few rounds, get some racing on TV, get to Darwin, do those rounds, even get to Townsville and knock those ones over. And we're five, six rounds under our belt, plus last weekend, plus Adelaide. Uh, we've almost done eight of the 10 rounds of the championship. So um, that would help the guys as opposed to sitting around waiting. But um, yeah, in terms of impact, we'll do our setup in the garage. Um, it's not as good as doing a setup at, at the workshop because you've got, um, you know, level ground, you've yeah. got all that sort of stuff that you work on. But the guys, they, they, they'll make it happen. So um, I don't think performance-wise we'll struggle. Uh, I think the toll will come when Queensland teams just stay at home, kiss their wife, you know, wife and kids goodbye, come down for three days, go home, live at home, come back down, go back home. That's, that's normality. Um, and you perform when you're, when you're used to normal things. So we'll see, but um, I don't think so. We can't blame this on performance, but use us while we're here. We're, <laughs> we're like racehorses in a paddock. Let us out, let us race. You know? No, it's a, it's a fantastic point. And I'm glad to hear you say that you don't believe performance-wise you'll struggle because performance-wise for 2020 has been pretty good for the Irwin <laughs> Racing Team. I think you've had a top 10 in every race except for race two in Adelaide where you finished 11th and a fantastic three races in Sydney last weekend. Yeah, I, I'm feeling good. I, and I think the team's feeling good. Um, there, there's momentum that I thought we had going into the Grand Prix was really strong. And then they threw in four months of <clears throat> pretty well go back to basics <laughs> and start again. But um, really impressed. I thought we punched above our weight last weekend at Sydney, given how much the, the team's still new and what we're learning. Um, but expectations coming back a week later um, are higher. So we've got to, you know, at, at worst, repeat last weekend and at best get podiums and, and get up there. So it's very rare to go back to the same track within 12 months, let yeah. alone within 12 days. So um, this should help us because we're the team that we haven't, as, as Team 18 in that car, I've never been to Sydney Motorsport Park. And the last time they did was with Holdsworth in 18, with a completely different package. So um, it should benefit us. It doesn't always work out that way. But, um, but you know, I'm excited to see what we learn um, and, and where we can get to. That's the, that's the exciting part. The year, the year started with an exciting note tour with a new engineer for your car, Manuel Sanchez, who's come from Gary Rogers Motorsport. How's that relationship been between you two guys? He's good. Um, he actually has been my road trip buddy for the, the last two road trips to Sydney. Um, very, very good. He, he suits me. Um, very calm. Doesn't talk a lot. And when he talks, he talks with confidence and he's very structured and gets the job done. So... For me, um, you know, radio chat is, <laughs> I'm more the, um, please don't talk to me, let me drive, yeah. um, coming out of the car, talk, listen, discuss, and then get on with the job. And he's, he's exceptional. I really enjoy working with him and his temperament, his personality, him and I 
uh, at the start of the year, our team actually did a personality test, um, one of those, uh, uh, you know, Mensa test type things that, that test your personality. And him and I come out very, very close in every level. And it, it does seem like that when you're working under pressure and mm. in the moment. Um, he's really good. So we're early days, um, we're only three rounds in, but I feel like, you know, him and I have got a strong bond and um, we should get better as the year goes on. And uh, yeah, we're, we're wrapped to have him, especially through this sort of dilemma um, that we're going through. He has kept really good structure and allowed, you know, people like Phil, who are, um, Phil, you know, Phil Key's one of the best in pit lane. Yeah. He needs to not be rattled and have a free mind and, and Manuel lets him do that. So as a team, he's a big in and um, we're lucky to have him. Also, the other exciting part of the start of the year was, of course, the additional second car, Scotty Pine DeWalt Racing. How much of an effect has that had on the team in regards to helping you with an extra set of data and the like? Is it too early to tell or, have you, or are you seeing that sort of result? Uh, it was good until they took the data away from us. Yeah, well, that's um, true, exactly. <laughs> which, um, which then went, hey, where's our data gone? But, um, but yeah, he's good. You know, so just yeah. on clarification on that, you did get data available after the races, didn't you? After the race. So, yeah. um, so effectively, Monday at the workshop, we could look at data, but on the weekend, yeah. um, it, was, it was not usable. So, um, so yeah, he, he's been good. You know, when, when you have drivers, I feel when Charlie was recruiting, um, you know, he asked sort of opinion, but I couldn't give opinion because on drivers, it's quite hard. But um, the good thing I thought about Scott was he's always been very strong, high-speed corners and... Um, he does something around those, you know, turn ones at Sydney Motorsport Park, turn one at Phillip Island, last corner at Phillip Island, turn eight at Adelaide. He does something in his technique, which I now know because I've seen his data, that's very strong. So I think um, tight corners, technical corners, I'm quite strong. Um, high speed, I think he's one of the best in the category. So yeah. he's been really good to, to look at his data, um, understand his feedback a little bit, and just work together uh, and try and move the cars up. So, um, yeah, he's been good. He's been really good. And he'll get better. He's, um, he's only three rounds into a new team. And um, he's already shown really good speed. So, uh, he, he's going to be good for the team, you know, long term. He's, um, he's going to be really good. As a punter, watching the racing last weekend at Sydney Motorsport Park, and I've spoken to a few others, Gee whiz, we thought it was one of the best weekends of racing we've seen for a long, long time. I'm pretty sure it felt the same for you guys as well. Yeah, I thought the racing was getting stale, to be honest, in, in some aspects without being um, controversial. I think, you know, Adelaide was, was average. Um, watching back the replays, yeah, the era washed through eight was really big. Um, and just, yeah, the, the racing, I thought, it needs a shake-up. And to the flip side, watching that on the weekend, I've never seen a race weekend as good as that. Yeah. Um, cars, uh, you know, Cam Waters at the start of the race, watching him go outside of Coulthard, inside of Bank Gears. Yeah. They're four wide. You know, I was three wide with Scotty and McCauley. Um, you know, this guy, Holdsworth, goes back to 12th. He's out of the race. Or oh, hang on, he's P2 <laughs> running down the leader. Um, that's as good as it gets. And we needed to come back with a good product. Um, if we are to come back with the same as Adelaide, people would have said, you know what, what have we missed? You know, like we love motorsport, but it's a bit blase. That guy wins, that guy finishes second. Um, that weekend, it's, if you're not enthused about our sport and, and excited, then you're hard pressed to please because that, you know, that's as good as it gets in motorsport around the world. And we get the chance to back it up now with, um, 
with another weekend here under lights and with some crowd as well. And um, you know, that that's as good as it gets. I was yeah. really as a, as a as a lover and purist of motorsport. That's as good as it gets. And I think applause to supercars as well for making the decision to mix up the tyres for next weekend as well. So you're going to have a couple of sets of soft and a few sets of hards. So strategy is going to play an even bigger part. Again, we know that the tyre dig on the on the softs is going to be severe, but we know how much quicker it's going to be. Gee, it's going to make for, once again, very interesting racing. It is. Um, as long as they do it properly, you know, it's... Um... Uh, I haven't seen the subregs yet, so um, I'll, I'll wait and see what uh, what they say. I know the tyre allocation. I just don't know how you're forced to use it. So, yeah. um, you know, they need to do something. You know, just my opinion. I haven't seen it, but they need to. If you start on, if you qualify on a soft tyre, you have to start on that tyre. If you qualify on a hard, you have to start on a hard. Actually, you know, if you start on a heavy fuel load, you qualify on a heavy fuel load. Whatever it is, try and create some. Um, artificial racing a little bit you can't just because if you just say to everyone you got four sets of softs you got three sets of hards we'll all work out what the great strategy is and we'll all do the same thing yeah. um so hopefully it's mixed up uh the 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 soft tire actually lasted longer at sydney motorsport park than what i thought um it actually went okay so we'll see but if they mix the format up uh you know we might not need the fireworks at night i reckon <laughs> there'll be enough on track because um uh, you know, a hard tie to a soft tie is, is going to be noticeable. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. But they, if they get the format right, you know, I'd be watching TV when it's on because it should be good. Well, we're handing out applause, applause to uh, the Australian, uh, the, the guys up at City Motorsport Park for getting those lights up and ready for this weekend as well. That's been a magic job by those blokes. They've worked extremely hard to get it right. And you're right, not only can we race on Saturday night, but gee whiz, let's do a Wednesday night. Let's do something different. Yeah, you know what? Um, you know, rugby league's doing it, AFL's doing it. Thursday night's now the start of the weekend, and you know, we we could well and truly race Tuesday night, Wednesday night, um, whatever it is. Um, come back, have two days off, race Saturday, race Sunday, have two nights off, race Wednesday again, and then head off to Darwin, and that would that would satisfy four races in a week. But I talk from a driver's point of view. That's yeah. just race, race, race. I don't think about the politics. I don't think about anything else, just putting the helmet on and steering. So that's the driver's wish list. But, um, but yeah, like I said, we're here. We're not here to holiday. We're here to race. And we're here. I want to be here. I want to be away from my family racing, not away from them sitting in a hotel room, waiting, twiddling my thumbs, uh, you know, missing them when I should be at home, you know. So yeah. um, if we're on TV, it's going to help the wives and partners at home to see that we're away doing our job. Um, so yeah, hopefully they've done an exceptional job and city motorsport park to put us up, you know, the guys are in the garage working, um, open their doors to us. They've been amazing. And I've got a soft spot for Western Sydney, given I yep. grew up here. Um, it's one of the premier places in the country. It's only got more to come with their funding. And, um, it's, you know, I, I think give reward back to those who give to the sport. Um, they're doing big things. So let's race there. Let's, um, let's race one way, turn around, race the other direction. I don't care what it is. They've got three layouts. It's, let's just race here and um, reward those that, that put in, you know. A final one for you, mate. Uh, we know the footy teams have sort of been quarantined into their uh, areas for the next couple of weeks. They can only go to the hotel and also train at a footy ground or the ground that they're playing at. 
are you guys confined to your hotel room in the track or are you actually allowed to go out? Uh, it's a bit of a grey area at the moment. I'm not sure, but um, I believe we get tested tomorrow for, uh, for the COVID test. Yep. Um, and I believe once we're tested, we become a New South Welshman and we can, we can live like local because okay. I think obviously the concerns, um, Victoria is a hotspot, um, bringing the disease up here and spreading it. So if you can prove that you don't have it, which we'll all get tested tomorrow, um, and we're shown as negative, then you become a New South Welshman effectively. And, um, and then the fact that we're here for 14 days, I think allows us to then go to Darwin because we can travel from Sydney. So there's lots of reasons why we're doing what we're doing here. Um, but I, I, I can't spend two weeks in this room. I'll, yeah. um, I'll be bouncing off the walls, <laughs> trying to go mad. So I hope that, um, yeah, I hope that that's the case and we get tested, we prove we're negative and, um, uh, you know, go to the gym and actually um, train at, at uh, you know, stay in shape, stay positive, eat more than hotel food and, um, you know, go visit my sister and actually feel like you're somewhat normal in a very unnormal world that we're living. So um, I hope that's, I hope that's what happens. But um, if we don't, if we have to stay here, we adhere to the rules and um, do what you got to do. Oh, exactly right. And mate, did you ever get your boat back? I've got my boat. I've got my boat back, which uh, uh, one of the guys from the team said we should have used it to smuggle the team across the border. But <laughs> um, but that boat's had enough controversy to um, to do that. So yeah, we've got, got the boat back. And, um, you know, like I said, we're up the river and life was good. You know, it's, it's a peaceful place up there, except for when your boat gets stolen. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just been loving it up there really. Um, and that was, yeah, 24 hours ago. How, how it all changed. But you yeah, got my boat back and Excellent. Um, I'll tell you what, they're lucky. They lucky they got it back because I had an angry wife and right now me being away and the boat's still missing. She would have, <laughs> she would have been dangerous. So um, well, thank goodness we got it back. I'll tell you what the great news for Renee is that she gets to spend the next six weeks at home with the kids because uh, they're going to be doing homeschooling. Oh, man. Don't say that. <laughs> no, it's yeah, true. It's, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. I've seen the news. Yeah, it's um, going to be tough. But, um, yeah, we've got good partners. Like I yeah. said, it's, um, it's a big shout-out to them. We talk about drivers, teams, whatever. They're the ones that are going to battle through it. And, um, and if they're happy, that helps everyone who works here. So, um yeah, big effort by them, and, and we're grateful there. They've got to be thanked. Yeah, beautiful. Mate, thank you so much for your time. Really do appreciate it. Good luck with the uh, remainder of the season. It started off so well. Let's hope it continues for you guys and a podium not too far away for the uh, the Irwin Racing Car. Thanks, mate. I'd like to say I have lots on my hand and, and no time, but i got a shitload, so you're welcome. <laughs> Thanks, Mark, Winter, Mark Winterbottom joining us here on The Grid. That word because you know can't touch this. Touch this. All right, joining us for the first time tonight, Richard Quayle from the Racetalk.com. Hello, Crowley. Hello, brother Sebexter. How are you? Mate, I'm fantastic. Just had a lovely chat to Mark Winterbottom and looking forward to continuing our look at what's uh, been an amazing 24 hours in sport. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Uh, 2020, the year that keeps giving. We might not like what it's giving, but it's giving regardless. Um, what an extraordinary, extraordinary situation. And um, do you remember the, the terrible, um, the terrible, terrible film with the character Snake Plissken, Escape from New York? Yeah. Do, you remember, do you remember that? It was oh. bloody awful. It was, I think, Kurt Russell, maybe. Oh, okay. um, 
it, it was a terrible, terrible film where in the future, New York's this basically a prison for all the scum of the earth um, and it's all completely locked down and they send a, another prisoner in there to get them out and there's massive... Anyway, Google it. Um, horrible that's film. Vic- that's but, Victoria now. But well, that, that's my point. Yesterday or Monday, our time, we had Escape from Melbourne, the sequel that no one thought they saw coming is supercars departed the uh, the southern part of Australia and raced to the border to get across it by midnight and um, Aubrey Wodonga have never seen the like so quite extraordinary circumstances and we'll, we'll talk about it later about um, the effort that our sport and in particular the teams and the people involved in these teams and, and broadly and we'll get to it in a minute um, some of the officials involved in our sport as well the effort they've gone to to keep the show literally on the road Shebex is it's amazing. Uh, is pretty outstanding, and, and we're very thankful for that. Yep, one of those guys that escaped Victoria yesterday before the midnight curfew was James Taylor, the deputy race director for Supercars, and he joins us now. Uh, James, welcome. What a mad twenty-four hours that must have been for you and your team. Well, firstly, thanks, Tony, and thanks, Crazy. Nice to talk to you boys again. Um, yeah, twenty-four hours. I don't even think we had that one. <laughs> So it was, it was rather drastic from an eight o'clock morning text message to 10.30, we're on a plane, flights booked and all due credit to Michael Smith and the team at Motorsport Australia, it was pretty, pretty fluid and we just made it happen. So JT, just work us through the timeline and you mentioned when you got that text message. So you wake up Monday morning going about your business, um, your lovely wife, Belinda, heads off to work, I would imagine. No, nah, school holidays, mate. Oh, school holidays, of course. So, so no work for BT. But what, so what was the, just tell me how those, those first couple of hours unfolded and, and more particularly what the messaging from Motorsport Australia was. Um, well, it all sort of unfolded. We're lucky enough that my sister-in-law works within the council system, local mm-hmm. council in Victoria, and gave us a heads up. Yep. And then I spoke to a few other people I know within government authority bodies and sent a text message to Michael Smith around 10 o'clock saying, um, I'm hearing New South Wales is going to close the borders tonight for us. Mm. And he quickly replied and said, okay, what do you do? And within half an hour, he'd spoken to myself. James Del Zoppo is up here with me at the moment. He's here as our technical IT and pretty much basically another assistant race director for us in the tower. And by 11 o'clock, um, Steph, who coordinates all the travel for Motorsport Australia, came through, we had our flights and it was so rushed that we we're basically sitting in the airport car park wow. waiting, waiting for our t- itineraries to arrive. So we didn't know where we were staying, where we were picking the rental car up until we were at the airport at Tullamarine. But ironically, Tullamarine was like a ghost town still, mm-hmm. even, even with the system. And here I really should probably give some credit to Qantas for the way they handled the staff and the personnel. I felt quite safe with the mask and stuff and their precautions on it, but it was very fluid, very quickly. And from what I understand, Eugene, Baraka and his team were just, we've got to make it happen. And James and I sort of said, we can do it. And away we went from there. It was very quick. Quails, you mentioned just before, JT, the, the credit that goes out to so many people in regards to what has happened. You mentioned the people from Motorsport Australia, but... Gee, was you, you must, you've got to applaud the teams and their ability. Uh, just speaking to Mark Winterbottom before, he said his car had no uprights in it. It was on the hoist. It had no wheels or nothing. The team had to assemble the car and get it on the truck and get the truck rolling to get to the border in four, you know, within a four-hour window. Yeah, I, I don't envy them. It's, 
a lot of people, I think, think the cars go back and just stay in the transporters and only come out if they need to be repaired. I think there was one more. Because admittedly, what we call now as SMP, SMSP1 was fairly clean. Mm. It was really good racing, and I think the drivers need to be commended for that. And I think Beta was very explanatory on how it, that was perceived, and it was really good and entertaining. So everyone thinks they can just sit in the trucks when they go home. But it's quite clear now that there's a lot more prep. But, yeah, they all need to be commended. And it's just like you use now, like I've just seen on the news that apparently even some of the A-League teams missed the cutoff. Yeah. So when you compare that, that's a team of 11 soccer players plus staff and spares compared to like trying to load up two, three, four cars in Tickford's point of view mm. and then get your crew that are not just living in your local areas, they're spread. I think they create achieved a phenomenal job to get everyone across the border in the time frame we were given. It, it speaks volumes, voice to the agility of our industry. And and I wrote something on the website earlier today that that went along those lines. In that, uh, unlike the ball sports, even though they're used to travelling around week in week out with a home and away season, and the, it's all part of the rigmarole is catch a plane, accommodation, go and play a game of footy, fly home. Yep. But motorsports so variable like that in that. It, no two weeks the same. You're always somewhere different every weekend. But then for a race team, in a race, it's even isolated again that it's completely unpredictable. And the green flag drops. No one knows what's going to happen. It could rain. You could get crashed into. Your engine could blow. Strategies change lap after lap. So I think our industry, and James, you've been involved in the race control side of things for a long time. I think we're geared to be nimble and and agile to adapt to things very very quickly just by the nature of the sport itself i suppose yeah i'd say with a lot of the people in the hierarchy in the management team is we used to very use the buzzword at the moment they're very fluid yeah in dealing with issues as they arise and just working around them and it just proves it i think the last day being yesterday i think it's really highlighted that and there was no real fuss there's no fanfare like all these other sports that the competitors and the ones that are earning a lot more money than anyone is in supercars yeah. are all complaining about having to leave their families. Yeah. Like you're talking potentially, let's just say, maybe an apprentice mechanic for one of these teams. Yeah, on maybe he's, 50 grand a year. <laughs> if that, he's gone and packed his bag up and said goodbye. And he d- the mechanics, you don't know when you're coming home. Like mm. There's a lot of theories getting around what the next schedule will be. Mm. And we've just got to be ready for it, whatever happens and move on from there. James, was there a moment for you where you sat down with your wife and went, well, am I doing this? Or was this for you? But this is your job, obviously. But is this for you just to, no, I've got to be there. I can't not do this. Well, ironically, or well, as you know, because I've done the four years in Asia and I'm sort of glad I'm not over in Asia yeah, right now yeah, at the absolutely. moment because it would have been a different kettle of fish. But mm. we sort of started talking about it when it all instigated. And we we're sort of estimating it. We're going to have to do maybe I have to go up two weeks prior for Darwin because there mm. were the Darwin was being very litigious on 14-day quarantine regardless. Mm. And we thought, yep, we'll do that at Darwin and then we're just going to see what happens. But it's it's just been expedited a bit. Mm. Um, it took us lucky, as you said, we live out of the suitcase. It didn't take long to throw everything together. But as today, we noticed we sort of walking around and we started hearing these theories. And I said, well, I haven't got stuff for a northern Queensland climate or a Darwin climate. Yeah. I brought for Sydney. I'm from Melbourne. Let's remember that. We're yeah. cold. Um, so, yeah, it was just pack and go. But we'd sort of been talking about it. I'm lucky my wife, as, you, as you've already mentioned, she's within the sport and the mm. system. She understands it. And it's just what you do. It's like 
every volunteer's out there. It's like Shebex and I were having a big chat before. It's like it's people saying, why can't we do a midweek and ISA stuff? The problem is all the volunteers have day jobs. Yeah. And that's the big issue. I'd love to do a, something different, but to get everyone together, that's not the trailing part. Mm. All those people have prior commitments that we need to realize and accept. Mm. Like, and some of these volunteers put in phenomenal hours mm. just to achieve what we do for sport, but it was interesting. One person that hasn't made the initial trip up there, of course, is race director Tim Schenken. Uh, talk is that he's going to apply for some sort of exemption and hopefully get that to join you guys next weekend. But we're not guaranteed that's going to happen. You could find yourself with uh, a bigger hat than what you're currently wearing, mate. Yeah, and the shoes that I didn't really expect to be sort of filling in quite quick, <laughs> as quick as this. Um, Tim, to his credit, has been really good. As we all know, I sort of took this role on it just prior to Adelaide. And it's been really good, but it's Tim is leaving very big shoes that are going to be very hard to fill for the reputation. And he's been doing this job for so long. It's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, just every job as it comes. I've got a good support network with Craig Baird, who I've worked with quite well in the last couple of years with Porsche previously as well. So it's going to be an interesting weekend if it happens. But Tim, they'll be doing what they can to get Tim up here. And I can understand that. James Delzoppo and myself coming up was really just to make sure in hindsight that there was at least two of us that were already here if the worst case scenario happens and Tim doesn't get his permit. Uh, on Tim Schenken, his ability to teach and train must be amazing. The fact that he's got Michael Massey to a, a position or <laughs> Michael worked with him for a long time uh, to get him up into Formula One. Uh, is it great working with a bloke like Tim? Yeah, it's... There's a lot of knowledge there and a lot of people don't don't really understand how long he spent over in Europe driving the cars he did over in Europe before he came back. Um, you do a track walk with Tim, which is his routine, and the man is very sprightly. I'll leave it as that. and It's a bit <laughs> of a workout to keep with Tim, but as he's walking around, the stuff that he's taking through and working through in his brain is actually really phenomenal of what he's on. He just doesn't switch off mentally. And even physically, he's, he's still ahead of his game on that aspect. And he needs a bit of credit, needs to be given a lot of credit for what he does. Um, your role, James, I mean, you mentioned we, we've been fortunate enough to work together for a while now on, on the Porsche stuff through Carrera Cup Australia and uh, a few extraordinarily good brief rounds of Carrera Cup Asia a couple of years ago, which were are fixed in my memory and will be for a long time. Um, but, but just talk about your role at Supercars. And, and as Shebex mentioned, new this year, you, you're filling the big boots of Double M, who's headed off to be Formula One's head honcho. Um, but just talk about your role specifically and how it ties in with Tim Schenken, who's obviously well-known as Supercars yep. Race Director, and Beardo, who's the driver standards guru, who we had on the show a couple of weeks ago. Oh, you survived, Craig. That's good. We did. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lovely crew. Um, basically, the main it's a dual role. You're Deputy Race Director for all the supercar rounds. Yep. And then also you take on the race director role for Dunlop Super 2, which is now combined this weekend for Super 3 yep. up here at Eastern Creek and I think for the ongoing rounds this year. So during a supercar round, you're, during a supercar event, you work close, I work close with Craig and James Del Zoppo, who controls our lot of IT component, the instant messaging, the MoTeC, all the information we get from the cars as they're going around. And then we work with Craig. So Tim controls the operational side of things, but he also has an oversight of what we're doing. Mm. It's a very, he's very much on top of the whole picture, but he's got the three of us running the underground, working with the stewards 
for all the penalties. So the people don't understand. It's not just Craig Baird making a decision when it comes to the penalties. There's four sets of eyes plus the stewards that were reviewing those instances. But most of the conversation will be Craig talking to the stewards and we're all watching the same footage and then it flows. And then there's operational things during a session. For instance, we take over a bit of the control for the safety car, mm. which is handy. And I'm quite lucky that we get a lot of practice at our 12-hour events up at yeah, Bathurst yeah. We're using those cars. And we get – it's fluid like that. And Tim runs it. So Tim runs like a good CEO where he's got a good under-management that is doing the work, but he's still got an overriding picture of the whole thing. And then when it comes to the Dunlop Super 2 series, Craig and I basically – fulfill the same roles, but then I take more of a race director role in the operational side of things as well. So like, for instance, this weekend, looking at the schedules or whatever they end up coming up with a schedule, there's a good chance Craig, myself and James Del Zoppo, we won't get to leave race control over the weekend yeah. at the moment because the gappings, potentially the gappings are going to be very tight. Be quite tight for TV, won't it? Yeah. Yeah. From what we understand, I think there's going to be what Saturday night race and then two races on Sunday. So yeah. that's yeah, that's... we've we've qualifying before Sundays as well. Yeah, so correct. Uh, last weekend, mate, uh, we spoke about this last week on the show. Probably some of the best racing that we believe we've seen in the Supercars weekend overall, especially uh, in that place. Oh, without a doubt, mate. You must have been really impressed with what you saw. Um, good to watch, as you say. I'm, I don't try and say I'm a driver. I never will commit that, but it was quite entertaining to watch. And this is where Craig, I think, needs to be given a lot of credit with what he's done previously with Tim, with this play-on attitude. And a lot of the drivers are respecting the way Craig's putting it across with Tim. And I think that's why it works. Like, there was some really tight racing. Like, you think there's a couple instances down into turn eight. Yep. And I think one of them with Davey Reynolds. Mm. It's like, they don't, the old tap and pass is gone now. Mm. They race hard and the drivers are giving each other respect and room and creating proper racing. It was really quite good. We don't get to see a lot of it. Ironically, people must think you see everything. But if you imagine there's only three people and we've got, well, we use Eastern Creek, we've got 11 corners to try and watch. Yeah. And when, once the field spreads out, we don't catch it all. But from what we could see, I, ironically, I haven't watched the highlights from last weekend yet. So... But it, it looked quite good. And the, as I said, the racing was tight. The drivers are giving each other room and respect and really put on a good display. We mentioned that, of course, your role as deputy race director, but also at the, at the lower level of that, you are a race fan. You have been for a long, long time. How tough is it to separate yourself from being a fan to actually being the race director? Do you find yourself getting watching and going, oh, how good was that? Did, did that happen? <laughs> He the did same. in Asia, Shebex. I tell you, it was much more race fanny over there. Uh, yeah. I can imagine. Uh, Asia was great. Asia was great for learning how to fix problems as they arise because you never knew what was coming in Asia. Yeah, because they, they arose every second over there. <laughs> um, the irony of it, Shebex, is I can't really watch a race. Oh, really? Uh, I think half the problem you sit there going, well, what are they doing? And you sort of start thinking of what, and analysing it to the way you'd operate. Yeah. And it, does, it quite literally does your head in. Mm. So, like, I even started on the weekend. I tried to watch some of the indie stuff coming out of Indianapolis on the weekend. And you sort of sit there going, what are they doing that for? So, yeah. I, d I don't make a great fan at the moment. Okay. It's, probably, it's probably like an old football player doesn't make a great football fan either. Yeah. You know what's happened and it makes it quite hard. And you just, you're always learning. I'm a strong believer of that old adage everyone uses that you never stop learning. 
So you just watch and you learn from how other people do, and you might pick up something that's achievable. But mm. I can't watch a race meeting. Like mm. the twelve hour, you're sitting there for fourteen hours, yeah. And the bits you only really remember are the bits you've got to correct. Yeah. Yes. And that's because they're the bits you concentrate. Yeah. And and I've met some lovely people, but the sad part is most of the people you see all the time are the ones that you're frequently talking to in an office somewhere that you mm. remember the most. Yeah. Yeah. And all the glorified ones like the Maddie Campbells of the world and. Jackson Evans last weekend. Yeah. 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 And, and that was a, we'll talk more about that Chebex because we, yes, we will. three of us have all had an involvement with, yeah. um, with Jackson over his career cup career. Um, I, I will say one thing. I know you don't watch races. Did you watch the GP on Sunday night? From Austria? Yeah. yeah. The best last 10 laps you've ever seen for a long well, time. Fantastic, yeah. well, they? Do you know, I, the, the call they made on the Hamilton Albon thing, I thought that was a very Australian call. I, I thought, don't forget there's an Australian running it now. No, well, that's exactly my point because it comes from the school of thought from, from racing down here that I sort of looked at that and went, okay, well, Albon sent it big around the outside, diminishing law of returns, closing in. Hamilton probably could have given him more room. So in the end, that five-second penalty for mine, I was like, do you know what? Sure, it took Albon out of the equation, but I looked at that penalty and thought, that's actually, I don't actually mind that. And in the end, it cost Hamilton a podium, which was the right result. So, what you, you think on the TV way, didn't it make the last couple of laps watching Lando? Sensational. Oh, yeah. From a, from a race control point of view, that penalty, I thought that, that's the kind of penalty that would have been assessed in Carrera Cup or even potentially supercars. It just struck me as being kind of familiar officiating. It, it had I, I, Michael Massey written all over it. Michael Massey and then there's other people like there's a lot of Australians behind the scenes that are doing FIA events like mm. you, you name you for starters you got Gary Connolly heavily involved over there yeah two of two of the FIA two of the stewards that do supercar rounds routinely are doing FIA rounds and then you go back to the great Tasmanian lawyer Steve when he was over yes. doing all the FIA stuff yeah so there's a bit of an, a lot of an influence and I think it's the way it is is instead of the racing being so stop start stop start there is more of them, and we, as you would have seen, we started to instigate that over in Asia as well. Mm. It just makes it more entertaining for everyone, the drivers as well, and especially with that, the technology now with telling drivers what their penalties are, they know what they're doing. Yeah. And in some ways, you could see Hamilton reflected on that as well, and he picked yeah. up the speed. But yeah. it just adds to it, and I think it's a better way of doing it. You just don't neutralise the racing now. It just keeps it, as Beto says, play on, and it looks better. Yeah, and the fact that that result was determined before the checkered flag dropped or yeah. as the flag dropped. Mm. So you didn't have that really awkward solution that we all hate, which is a penalty after the race, removing someone off the podium. Yeah. It just makes it really awkward. And I love that approach that you guys in particular have taken and uh, working with you on 12 hour as well in, in let's just get it sorted. Punishment fits the crime and move on with things as well. So um, no, I love it, mate. It's um, it's super, and you guys have been doing a great job in racing. The, the biggest issue in that, and we're lucky here, it depends on your access to footage. If you get good yeah. footage, it makes it a yeah. lot easier. So and it I goes think... hand in hand with the TV product that you've got as well. So oh. we're, we're lucky that we've got world-class TV with motorsport in this part of the world. And, and I think Nathan and his boys proved that with the E-series stuff. Yeah. I glanced over that a few times and went, have I missed a race meeting somewhere? Like, <laughs> Did I not get like, the memo? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been sacked already. Be thankful you weren't race directing that though. There was some sketchy stuff. Oh, uh, it's a computer. It's a computer system. It's got inbuilt rules. Yeah, they just does. need to. It does. The track limit thing in iRacing is amazing. If you can put that in real life, 
where if you run wide, it pops up on your screen saying slow down 1.2 seconds. Oh, okay. Imagine it, and and you have to slow down, otherwise you'll get pinged. Imagine yeah. that in real life. That would remove your turn five track limits at Sydney Motorsport Park straight away. No problem. Well, well you got to give some of them credit, even from the last weekend. It did seem busy with yeah. bad sports and shit flags. Yeah. But if you go that to a couple of years ago when we've been there with Porsche. Yeah it was way down to what it used to be. Yeah. So the drivers are respecting the rules and the guidelines. So 100%. Geez, I'll tell, you, tell you what was busy. Formula 2 at Austria in regards yeah. to track oh. limits. My goodness, mate. There was five every lap. Yeah. yeah. Pretty sketchy. I didn't, uh, didn't, cool. didn't get to see much of them. That's a pity because I quite like them because they are entertaining. And also Formula 3 was entertaining too, especially since we a couple of guys that we know mm. as well have got up and, uh, and got a win, which is great. Yeah, four of them, four Aussies, I think, by memory. Yeah. And five if, five in, if you want to count Liam. Yeah, well. Yeah, <laughs> and, well, but, but if you also count, count the, the Brisbane-born New Zealander, Scotty Dixon, Scott as Dixon well, was a big weekend. It's been interesting. And as I said, the whole, from yesterday morning, it's been even more intriguing. Yeah, it has. Mate, thank you so much for your time today. Really do appreciate it. Enjoy your uh, week and a half of rest and relaxation up in Sydney. Until yeah. race weekend next weekend. I don't think it's too much rest. Like as I mentioned to you in the pre-up before we got on, it's like the phones are going hot, the emails are going crazy. Um, I don't envy the management team at Supercars and the teams at Motorsport Australia because it's just so fluid at the moment to use that word that everyone uses. Yeah, there's a lot of hypotheticals going around. The good news for you is you're probably one of the few Victorians that can actually catch a game of footy at the SCG <laughs> this weekend if you want. Yeah. You're just across the road. Yeah, but we can't buy a ticket because we're from Victoria, apparently. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> can't buy a ticket. Ironically, it's oh, like two, two K away and we can't yeah. even utilize it. Oh, I'm sure we can work irony, something out. Irony is the word of 2020, isn't it? It is. Oh, and irony and we never want to do this again. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm opting out of the next global yeah. pandemic. No, someone, no. Asked, someone asked if we should have Christmas next week. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm all for that. Uh, I'd be Thanks. more happy to do a Grand Hill Day opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jimbo. Uh, oh, you had to get that in, didn't you? <laughs> James Taylor <laughs> joining us here on The Grid. All right, Quasi. Jim uh, is, as we said, with James, what a massive... 24 hours it's been. What an amazing two or three days it's been, especially for Australian motor racing overseas and here. Not only do we have escape from Melbourne, but we had uh, the the win. Awesome in Austria. Austria. Yeah, 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 which was yeah. just... Let's, let's have a look at some of that stuff. Uh, not so much the Formula One. I'll do that with Dale Rogers shortly. But let's kick it off with Jackson Evans and what an amazing win for him in uh, Super Cup. Yeah, I'm really proud of Jackson. He's he's a super young guy, and and it's funny, you know, you're old Shebex when you followed the entire career of yeah. a young race car driver, and and you get to see them succeed. Um, succeed. So, um, you know, Jackson came to us in 2015 in Porsche racing here in Australia in Cup Challenge, uh, running a Class B car, um, and scrounging together old sets of tires to go and run production sports car races on the weekend to get some more miles. Um, So I did it on a real shoestring, but we all knew he had great talent. He moved up into cup challenge the next year. Um, Didn't win the championship, but won a lot of races and was very, very quick moved into career cup. Um, And in 2017, midway through the season, he sort of clicked 
and he, he smoked the second half of that championship, won it at a canter in 2018, um, and, and very closely following the path of Matt Campbell. Um, and had a, had a tough year in Super Cup last year. It was a really challenging season, driving with um, Fark Autotech, and that's not, I'm not swearing, that's the no, team. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, and uh, they, they lost their way midway through the season, couldn't qualify well, and then when they got it together at the end of the season, then Jackson had great car speed, qualified on pole at Monza, and uh, Ayankin Guven, the Turkish driver, fenced him at turn one at Monza and punted him out of the lead on the opening lap, and he ended up finishing sixth. So a chance of a win last year went begging at a couple of podiums. Um, but massive vote of faith uh, from Porsche in Jackson this year. He was given the opportunity to drive for Lechner Racing. Um, you know, they're, they're the preeminent one-make Porsche team in the world. Yeah, um, They've won nine of the last 10 Super Cup championships in the last three in a row with Michael Ammermuller. And they went to Jackson and said, we want you in car number one in our lead right. car. And delivered. Qualified on pole. He top testing beforehand. Um, drove a really impressive motor race, Shebex, uh, where he got the start. Led under a little bit of pressure from Dylan Pereira, his teammate early on. But then lap seven, I think it was, he bashed out the fastest lap, broke any chance of a slipstream yep. and, um, and won the race. So really proud of him and the way he measured that drive. Um, in, in what he's going to be a really intense Super Cup championship because they're doing 10 rounds in about 12 weeks. Um, so it's hugely important that he delivers and it's yep. going to all happen in a really short space of time. So perfect way to start his Super Cup campaign. And um, yeah, really cool, really, really cool to see these kids that we've worked with here um, go and succeed and chase their dreams and, and kick butt doing it. I'm, I'm so chuffed for him. And the other one, of course, is Jordan Love, who had his first Super Cup race and nearly got a top 10 spot in his first race. Well, yeah, but and had a shocker in qualifying and, and admitted on socials that he didn't get qualifying right. And Super Cup so close that he missed pole by 1.1 seconds and he was 18th. Wow. Um, but one thing you and I have seen in doing Career Cup Australia for the last couple of years is that Jordan is a racer. Yeah, And he loves an overtake and he loves the full send overtake. They send it from 25 metres back and it'll come out the other side. Um, so he got to 11th in that race, dropped back to 12th at the finish, but um, really promising race craft. And the best thing for that is, is that they go back to the same track next week. So if you haven't followed Super Cup, it's bloody tough because they rock up, they get a 30 minute practice session, a 30 minute qualifying, and then a, like a 35, 40 minute race. And that's it. Yeah. So there's very little time to tune a car up and learn the track over a weekend for a rookie driver, especially. So going back in week two, Jordan will be able to work out what happened in qualifying last time and hopefully qualify better. And if he can qualify better, we know he's got the race pace and the ability to pass cars. So um, he'll be fine. I've got no doubts in his ability whatsoever, but really cool story. Coupled with the kids in F3, um, really good day for, Antipode and motor racing and um, between Australia and New Zealand. It's, it's super proud. Really and then Scotty Dixon, of course, in IndyCars oh, as well. The guy's a freak. Yeah, he is, isn't he? Um, he's the, the stats that he's racking up are just amazing. Yeah, like he's, he's 40 just about, I think. Um, he's the second most successful IndyCar driver of all yeah. time, statistically. And he's hauling in Mario Andretti on the all-time winners list. Um, it's just remarkable. He's won the first two races of this season. He's got a big championship lead already. 
in a shortened season, going into a pair of double headers at Road America next weekend, which is a track where he's one of the bosses at. Um, that's going to be incredible. And the other thing, Will Power qualified on pole, and Will has been super fast this year, but has had shocking luck. Mm. Um, and a US colleague of ours, Marshall Pruitt, who covers it for Racer Magazine, um, calls it the golden bowling ball, which is when someone <laughs> cannonballs into the field and just gets all the bad luck. And Will's had bad luck. But he is now the second most winning pole position driver in the 105-odd year history of IndyCar wow. racing in America. So he's in front of Unser, Rutherford, Mears, Bobby Gross. Unser, like Will Power from Toowoomba in Queensland. Yeah. It's just his one lap pace remains as good as it ever has been. So really cool weekend. Um, the only thing that would have made it better was, was Dan the Man getting a result in F1. But I don't think that's going to happen in that Renault. But... Um, there's hope for McLaren next year with a, with a Mercedes engine as well. So, um, yeah, cool weekend, Chebex. Just really satisfying to see those kids. And, mate, I've got to be frank, I just loved a Sunday night on the couch watching car racing. How good was it? Feels like it's been a long time since we've been able to, able to enjoy that. How good was it? Mate, just quickly, uh, your thoughts. Uh, Mark Winterbottom mentioning before in the interview that I had with him, I said, so what do you, you plan to do for the next week and a half until racing? He says, mate, yeah. we just want to race. He said, let's bring the race forward to this weekend. Let's race Wednesday night. Let's race the weekend after. Let's get three or four rounds knocked off in two mm-hmm. weeks up here in Sydney before we have to go up to Darwin. It makes perfect yeah. sense. We heard what James Taylor said before. Obviously, volunteers and the, the marshals might be tough to to get around but it just absolutely makes sense yeah i think supercars now have to be flexible with this um now i i don't it's probably not feasible to run a race before the scheduled round that was already planned next weekend yep um but why not run one wednesday the week after so come back three days later wednesday night or friday night that week It, it they, they need to be really flexible now. And, and it's not as if they need to be anywhere else. That's the thing. No, no, exactly right, mate. And and the Victorian teams literally can't get back to Victoria or they're stuck there Correct. permanently because they'll have to quarantine for two weeks to get out. So they, they're resigned to the fact of being in New South Wales. They need to make the most of it. Um, it looks like the Queensland borders will open on the 10th of July to New South Wales. Um, we talked about it. Maybe go to Queensland Raceway as well as Townsville. Um, run back-to-back rounds in Hidden Valley. Uh, it has to be a case that the Bend has to be back on the program, come to South Australia as well. It, I, I can't see Sandown happening. Well, let's look at it. it, it now, seem... We're now the 7th of July. We've got a six-week lockdown here in metropolitan Melbourne. That takes us to the middle of August. We then yeah. know that the increase in whatever it'll, they're going to do is going to be slow. To open borders, at least though. a month. So yeah. you're going to be middle of September, yeah. which, is when, which is when Sandown's meant to be. I can't see it happening either. No, mate, I, I can't. And they, they now need to be flexible. And I, I would foresee them, and, and it sucks for the people that have committed to do this. And I'll come to that in a sec. Like, they, they could be away until Bathurst. Quite, yeah. quite seriously, they could be sure. away until Bathurst and then maybe go back, regroup. And if they have to run some more races and go back to Sydney Motorsport Park in December for, for the finale, then fine. And you'd like to think that by then things will be okay in Victoria. Um, but they have to get as much racing in as they can in the next eight weeks. Um, and I agree with you. The other thing I, I think worth pointing out, and we, we touched on it with James, was that the commitment from these people in Victoria to leave 
the yeah. state is enormous. And, yeah. and we touched on it with James in that, that the example is often cited as the footballers in Aussie rules who have been told to relocate to these hubs in Queensland or Victoria or WA, and they're away from their family for four weeks. And yes, there's some support staff involved, but not in the same quantity or balance of what it takes to put on a supercar round. Yeah. So you're talking about 22 AFL players and a dozen, half a dozen, if that support staff coach, couple of assistants, fitness guys, and that's it. Um, but the, the difference between an AFL footballer, and I don't want to have a crack at these guys because they're making sacrifices as well. But the difference between an AFL footballer on 300 grand a year and a mechanic working for Tickford or Erebus, lucky to make a quarter of that. Um, you know, the, that's an enormous commitment that these teams have made. And, and it's not just a commitment for their, lively, for their staff livelihood and their team's ongoing success. It's the sport overall. Yeah. Because if these teams hadn't have left Melbourne, supercar stops for at least two months, yep, if not correct. longer, as we just talked about. So it puts the entire remainder of the season, Bathurst, the biggest race of the year, the most important race commercially and um, from a TV point of view, puts that in jeopardy. So they've taken one for the team, quite literally here, Shebex, in, mm. in putting their lives on hold. So everybody else, Queensland teams, you and I, so we can keep doing this for our great partners at Truck Assist and NTI who sponsor us, who if there was no motor racing would have no reason to do so. Yep, correct. Um, it, it's, it's a massive, massive thing for the sport and they've, they've sacrificed a bit and uh, I'd like to buy them a beer at some point because um, they've, they've gone above and beyond to keep the show on the road and we need to be appreciative of that moving forward. Well, let's hope that some point it is in 2020. I'm not liking the fact that it probably won't be, but uh, <laughs> no, you know, it will be. It will be. Fingers crossed. It will be. Hey, Krause, always great to chat to you, mate. Uh, catch up with you next week when we preview the uh, the next round at City Motorsport Park. Look forward to that. And uh, go. Yeah, no, I like it. Um, I, I'm looking forward to it, mate. It, like we've, it continues to offer hope at a time when there is very little that we're still going to have a some work for those of us lucky enough to work in it. Yeah, and be some entertainment on a Sunday, but Saturday night, night racing, brilliant mixed Bring tires. Excuse me, mixed tires is going to mix things up as well. So there's a lot to look forward to. We need to remain as optimistic as we can and keep the show on the road. Richard Crowell joining us here on the grid. Dal Rogers up next. Always great to catch up with our man Dale Rogers from theracetalk.com. Hello, Dale. Tony, how are you? Nice to be on the show again. Lovely to have you on the show. Uh, mate, your thoughts on Escape Victoria, and that's not our new tourism slogan. That was supercar teams getting out of here in the last 48 hours. It's been an amazing thing, hasn't it? Yeah, extraordinary, Tony. I, I think the, uh, you know, we, we saw the AFL team scampering, packing up bags with some footballs in it and some training bits and pieces, and uh, they were patting themselves on the back, did a great job. But then you had, 24 hours later, you had uh, guys with no doubt cars in bits and pieces on workshop floors saying, get this stuff into the transporter and get it in quick. Um, so an extraordinary job for the Victorian teams to actually have the ability to, to get those transporters packed with the equipment they need uh, in such a short time uh, and get over the border. And I know that some of them were you know, very, very late. We've seen some Facebook posts of things of people scampering over at 11 o'clock at night and uh, 
so it's an extraordinary effort, and, and I and I really think that the commentary from the likes of Supercars, from Fabian Coulthard, from Red Bull Racing, from Scotty McLaughlin, just really heartfelt thanks to the Victorian teams for making that effort. Um, you know, as a community, I think it makes it very worthwhile. So. It's an enormous task. Um, you know, no warning for families, no warning that they're, and no, no idea when they're coming back. So um, it looks like Sydney Motorsport Park is now V8 Supercar Park. Yeah, exactly right. And there's a, a great video that's been put together by Cali Racing in regards yeah. to getting their cars ready. They had no engines in their car. Frosty even told us, and, and Kelly had the same, the uprights went in the car, so they couldn't move the cars. All this work had to be done in three, four, five hours, not yeah. just for one car, but two. Yeah. And then look at a spares inventory that you say, well, you know, we obviously pack the transport a certain way, but whatever you can get in there, get in there, because we just don't know what we're going to need in yeah. terms of spares. And, of course, freight in the later weeks, um, you know, that, that we've seen <coughs> that on, on, on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday morning, uh, queues at the, at the border uh, a couple of kilometres long to get from Woodonga to Albury. And there are people that live there, they're going to try to go to work. So, you know, getting freight across there, if you need some extra bits and pieces after next weekend or before next weekend, logistics extraordinary. And, and you just got to take your head off to supercars. As I said, the AFL did an enormous job, but they didn't have to move the stuff that the supercar teams had to move. No, exactly right. Uh, F1 season restarted again on the weekend, some fantastic racing. It was great to have uh, that sort of racing first up. Before we get into last weekend, though, let's have a look at the future, and the future looking very bright for a driver at Renault, or a spare driver at Renault. Uh, sorry, let me rephrase that again. A spare seat that's at Renault is going to be filled by a very experienced driver. Yeah, we just uh, it'll be announced uh, Wednesday, which when we go to to air with this is that uh, Fernando Alonso will return to Renault on a two-year deal. Uh, he has made no secret that if the right opportunity came up, that he'd be wanting to get back in. And uh, I guess that he can now send Daniel Ricciardo a Christmas card for the next couple of years because it would be the only seat at the you know the mid to the top of the grid that's available to him. He has a great history with Renault. He knows the Enstone guy as well as a lot of people there that worked when he was in the in the seat and winning world championships for them. It's look, can the car win? Um, you know, I think the promising thing from the weekend, which we'll, we'll get to in a moment, was the, the fact that uh, the McLaren powered by a Renault engine was a very competitive car. Um, I think Ricardo showed some glimpses of, of, of form. Uh, his qualifying was hampered by Bottas is off, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. He, he got straight on the radio and said there's yellow, yellow flags or yellow lights out, so he could have been a bit further up the grid, but um. It's, I think it's great to have Alonso back. He's a huge name, a huge talent in the sport. He'll push that team, uh, as Ricardo has. He'll push it. Orcon will benefit from it. Um, but it also shows that Renault now make a commitment. So it means that we're not going to you know, potentially lose a manufacturer from the sport for the next couple of years. And um, new rules, new rules packages. It's a level playing field in 2022. Uh, the cars will be very much the same next year. So Alonso will have a year to get himself back into the, uh, into the team. Um, you know, it's a great thing. And getting having people sitting on the sidelines who still want to race and are still super competitive because we've seen what he's done in, in, in WEC, um, at Le Mans, at, at the Rolex 24-hour. Um, he still wants to drive fast and he can drive fast. So it's great for Formula 1 that he's coming back. Would it have been a toss-up for them between Alonso and Vettel for that Renault seat? Oh, look, if they haven't spoken to Vettel, I'd be very surprised. But... Um, yeah, you know, it's it's a sentimental thing. So Alonso has such a great history with Renault. You know, world champion mm -hmm. with the team. Uh, as I said, you know, he, he will fit into this team very well. 
Patel's an unknown quantity. Um, you know, is the passion still there with Sebastian? Yeah, look, I guess it is, but would he, it's a difficult one. If you, if you put the two of them head to head at the moment of who would probably drive the team harder, uh, although he comes with um, some quirky behavior, yeah, I think he'd probably lean from Renault's point of view to Alonso. So, yeah, I'm sure they looked at Patel. I mean, why wouldn't they? It's, uh, he, he's a, a four-time world champion on, on the market. You say Vettel's an unknown quantity. I think Vettel is a known quantity, and that's probably why he didn't get the seat. Well, that's, yeah. yeah, that's probably actually more accurate. So he's a known quantity. And uh, uh, but yeah, look, I, you know, Alonso will work with Orcon. They'll work as a team. Um, you know, it, it's a no-brainer if he's available and he wants to do it. Yeah, you'd, you'd go with him. I think. Yeah, you would. Uh, let's have a look at last week's racing. A fantastic win for Valtteri Bottas from lights to flag. Uh, did it well all weekend, that Mercedes and their uh, new steering gadgetry. I, I'm not sure how yeah, I should the DAS system. It's Look, it's, Mercedes didn't have an easy road there. Uh, you know, I think the thing that really showed is that the safety cars put their race under risk. Uh, at one stage there, there was a, a shot from turn three that showed... Uh, Bottas and Hamilton behind him, and an eight-second gap to uh, to Albon at the time, who was obviously the the next best, uh, had been closed down by Leclerc. So you know that's a that's a, re- a really showed the dominance of the team on the first weekend back. Remember, this is the first Grand Prix of the year. Yeah. However, there were real gremlins occurring with the, with this gearbox. That that track is a car wrecker. And they were fragile. There's no question that's come out after the event that both gearboxes were in strife. They were on the radio lap after lap after lap telling the guys to get off it. So the safety cars really affected their race. Um, and as we saw, I mean, Albon had a big crack at, uh, at Hamilton um, in the latter stages of the race on new tyres. And as the field closed up, they couldn't pull away because they simply couldn't turn the car on. So had there not been safety cars, I don't think we'd be we'd be having this report saying it was a great Grand Prix because it wasn't a great Grand Prix up until then. They were super dominant. There were some great battles in the mid-pack. Um, but there's obviously some, some fragility in that car. If we move to the team, was probably the most disappointing team was Ferrari. They certainly didn't um, perform in qualifying. Leclerc, you know, he's, he's a super talent. He drove around a car that shouldn't have been on the podium mm-hmm. and he got there. Now, yeah, okay, safety cars played a role, but he was still there at the end. He still did a great job. They've got an enormous amount of work to do because if you look at the team's ranking, they were not the second team on the weekend. Red Bull clearly were the second team on the weekend. Mechanical problems for both cars, you know, spoiled spoiled their race. Verstappen had the strategy that could have beaten McLaren. He started on the medium tyre. Every car in the top 10 started on the soft. So he would have had a run at the the, uh, Mercedes for a long period of time. Didn't come to pass. We did predict, like, Tony, last week that Racing Point would be the turn that t- would turn it on, and they yep. did. Uh, they were absolutely the best of the rest after the big three. Um, now, McLaren got the result in the end from some fantastic driving from Norris, which we've heard from a little bit earlier. Actually, I was going to say that. You said that Ferrari were the second best team of the weekend. I would nearly say McLaren. No, no, were. no. no I, I would say that, uh, that, that um, Red Bull were the second oh, best sorry. team of the weekend. I would say McLaren were better than them. Well, look, yeah, in outright performance, Red Bull were the best, were the second best team. The results, absolutely, you, you yeah. couldn't agree with you more. Um, but McLaren certainly got the result in the end. But, but Perez copped a five-second penalty, and clearly um, he was probably the next best car after in a race, a race and qualifying package after the, uh, the Red Bulls and the uh, Mercedes. So there's a lot of things that have happened 
the race threw up a lot of things. The, the, the McLaren drivers did an awesome job. I mean, take nothing away from Norris and Science. They did a fantastic job. And really, you know, Lando was not on the podium until the last lap. That five-second penalty that Hamilton had, he closed down to 4.76 seconds and set the fastest lap on the last lap of the race. So a, a stunning drive from Norris. And we know he's great. I mean, we've... we've uh, yeah, no, we've seen him on the E-Series and he's a great talent. I think he's become, a, a, a after Dan, he's become our, our next favourite driver. So, a huge performance from him. Racing Point is very, very impressed with I think they, they, they are going to turn it on. So we spoke about Ferrari. Did sort of bittersweet for Renault. Um, Dan got hampered a bit in, the, um, in that uh, qualifying. Never really got in much up the top 10. Was, was belted around the ears a bit by uh, the cars at the bottom of that top 10. Orcon. First drive for 15 months, pretty serviceable, got some points. It was never really affected, but the attrition got him up mm. there. So I think the midfield battle, as we predicted last week, Tony, is on for young and old. It's, there's no question that, that Racing Point, McLaren, Renault uh, are really, really there. And that's, so after the big three, uh, you know, we've got some good battles on our hands. And we just hope that next weekend, that, uh, or the weekend coming, that, that Red Bull can show the form that they showed last weekend and perhaps really take it up to, uh, to, um, to Mercedes. And we might just see a couple of those midfield teams giving Ferrari a bit of a crack as well. Nine cars DNF, Dale. That's just uh, atrocious attrition, isn't it? Yeah, I guess if you look at the, at the attrition at Australia over the years, I had a bit of a look back and it's not surprising first race, Tony, to have those sort of five, six cars pull out. Uh, and this was the first race of the year. It just happens to be in July, which yeah. is bizarre. But it, it's consistent with the, the early rounds. We often do see high DNFs in those early rounds. And, and you know, this is, this is the, the fact. So, yeah, I guess that, I mean, look, the, the factories were shut down. We know that. But disappointing, I guess. There were a lot of mechanical issues. Um, there were some bizarre issues, too. I mean, massive brake problems again for Haas. Um, Kimi Raikkonen, there was a great picture of him saying, if, if, that's, uh, if that's how DAS works, then, then Alfa Romeo have got it too, because that wheel was hanging off at such an angle. He was obviously doing something. But bizarre situation with those guys. Giovinazzi got in the top 10 as well. Really disappointing, though, because it was a chance that George Russell could have snagged a point uh, for yeah. Williams, which would have been pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, 11 cars finished here. You, 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 if, you, if you were running, you were probably going to get a point. So a week between races, as you said, a lot of work to do for some of these teams, not at home in their garage, in the garages of uh, Austria to get these yeah. cars right. And Ferrari expecting some uh, fairly big upgrades, I believe, for the second race. Yeah, I, I, we've, we've heard that there's a lot of things coming. And uh, why they didn't take them to the first race, I don't know. Obviously, they haven't been produced in five days. But I guess they needed a benchmark of the car. The car clearly was, again, we spoke last week, wasn't that, that good in in winter testing. Um, so maybe they had to go with a revised package of that, but they really had, had, had fast-tracked some other things there. I think the guys that were going to be the busiest, though, Tony, were not actually on that side of the pits. It was the guys on the other side of the pits who were painting, not long after the race, every green Rolex sign that you saw everywhere around that circuit to turn it into Pirelli, because it's yeah. the Pirelli Grand sponsor next week. So the painters would be as busy as the uh, the dudes uh, in, the, in the pit lane. But I think the, the only other thing, uh, I guess, newsworthy was the, um, and, I, and I, don't, I know we're not a political show, but it was interesting watching what, what occurred at the beginning of the, the, uh, the event. Uh, the end racism uh, message was loud and clear around the track. Uh, you saw signage on the pit wall and everything. Uh, we stand as one as the, what they're racing under. The only thing is they didn't stand as one. 
Uh, I actually admired the guys who said, we really don't defend racism, but not, nor are we going to do a, signal, you know, a, a virtue signaling, if you will, yeah. on one. And we also don't stand as one because every driver had a T-shirt on that said, end racism. But Lewis Hamilton had a T-shirt on that says, Black Lives Matter. Now, do we stand as one or not? And I, I just thought that was the... I know Hamilton's got an agenda. I know that, that there's a huge political debate here. But if you stand as one, you stand as one. And that wasn't standing as one, as far as I'm concerned. So, I don't know. I don't like politics and sports, Tony. It's something I just do not like to mix on. Uh, they've made this statement. I guess they'll do it again next week. But I admire the guys who had the conviction that, that they believe in the cause, but they weren't doing what they... Uh, what, you know, there was no pack mentality, if you will. No, and that's a fair call too. What I can tell you, though, is right here on the grid and at the race talk, we do stand as one. We do indeed. Even when Krause gives, gets stuck into me, we still stand as one. We, we all get behind Krause and stand with Krause on that, without a doubt. Hey, Dale, thanks very much, mate. Really do appreciate it. Uh, very quickly, in 60 seconds, thoughts on this weekend? Well, look, as I said, I, I think the team that has to improve is Ferrari. Um, and I'd be watching Red Bull. I think they've got the pace to, to run closer to... Certainly, Verstappen has got the pace to run closer with uh, the Mercedes. Um, I, I, if I was the promoter, I'd be putting those sausage curbs they put back, they took out last time, put them back in, or run the race the other way or something. I don't know, but, uh, you know, I hope it's not a repeat. Um, I think there will be... There should be the ability for teams to fix some of these mechanical woes because they weren't chronic. They were things, you know, some overheating issues in it. So there were things that would be normal development curve issues. Um, but yeah, I, look, the midfield's going to be a cracker again. I just hope that we've got a team, whether it's uh, whether it's Red Bull, Ferrari, or indeed McLaren, that, that can actually uh, really take it up to Mercedes. But uh, as I said before, that uh, safety car with an eight-second lead, someone's going to have to do something pretty serious this week. And someone needs to tell Max Verstappen that his radio actually gets recorded and that he shouldn't have so many expletives. I was horrified and mortified by the language coming out of his mouth. He, uh, he's pretty colourful, isn't he? <laughs> he is. As you are, Dale. Thank you so much, mate. Really appreciate it. We'll catch you next week. Good on you, Tony. See you then. Cheers. Dale Rogers joining us here on The Grid. As you have as well, thank you for that. We'll catch you right here. Same time next week.